Today we have special guest, Mr. Marcus Maloney. Uh, he's a, a longtime real estate investor. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of this story. I hope you tune in and we'll have a good time. Mr. Marcus, how are you doing today? And uh, where, where are you calling from today? Man, I'm doing great, Daniel. I appreciate the opportunity to speak, you know, with your podcast and with the Hive Mind group. And I hail from Chicago, Illinois, but I'm right now, I am in the Phoenix, Arizona market. And I've been out here for about 10 years now. Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, um, sir. I actually wanted to jump into Chicago because I'm originally from Chicago, too. I grew up in uh, Hammond. Oh, I know. Hammond, Indiana, right across the border. Yep. Right across the border. That was, I grew, I lived there for uh, 20, 22 years, 21 years. <laughs> Great. Okay. You know what? You, you doing any deals or anything over there in, in Hammond? No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I live in Cali now and I do a lot of stuff in Texas. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. It works where I'm at, but I always like talking, I always like asking where people are from because, you know, I mean, people come from like humble beginnings and I think for you, you used to, I read your bio, you grew up on a farm in Illinois. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So just south of Chicago, we're about, man, from Hammond, about 35 minutes from Hammond in Kankakee, Illinois. And we were in a small town right next to Kankakee called Moments. It's about 30, 3,300 people, man. Yeah. And one, one cool story before we get started is, you know, in order, what taught me how to invest in real estate or how to invest period was, you know, a lot of my school contemporaries they all you know went to went school shopping before you you went back to school well for us you know in the spring we had to buy piglets at the auction you know you can pick those piglets up for 10 15 bucks and they were you bought them by the pound right so we would purchase these piglets in the spring all summer we would feed them stuff them everything like that and then we'll take them back to the auction and resell them so you know pigs they can eat as much as you can put in front of them. So we would feed them and we bought them when they were like 10, 15 pounds. And then we would take them back right before school and they would be about 200 pounds and they sold by the pound. So we learned how to, you know, invest early, you know, how to, you know, buy low and sell high. So that was one of my strategies and one of my forays into understanding real estate and understanding investing. So it all started, you know, from one school clothes and pigs. Can you believe that? <laughs> I, I, I love, I love stories like that because I think everybody, you need, you need to like, and you need to like enable that into your children early. At least they understand how the world works. Um, even at a simplest basic level. And I think a lot of people, a lot of parents don't, don't, um, prepare their adult children for that and they're yep. kind of walking in blindly but that's that's a simple strategy i mean you buy them pigs i never heard of that yeah yeah Flip, flipping pigs man so buy low sell high right you could do buy that with anything high. cars houses you know clothes anything bicycles um yeah our, our just we just happened to live on a farm so it was, it was farm animals livestock it's amazing that's a, that's a good story i think yeah <laughs> I think uh, your experiences in life definitely help you uh, either harness or, or you're, you're missing something. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You, you're right spot on with that, Daniel. Good. It's good. So uh, let's, let's, let's simple a little bit of the real estate stuff. I always like jumping into that stuff because like, every, every podcast is like, oh, real estate, real estate, real estate. But like you're a person too. And you always have humble beginnings and you always have cool, interesting stories. So it's always, I like, I like switching it up a little bit and bringing it down to a human level versus 
up in the clouds because people look, sometimes hear us and they're like, man, these guys are crazy. What are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah, everybody got an origin story, right? You know, we didn't all start out with, you know, 100 doors, 500 doors or flipping 100 properties a year. We all started out somewhere. And the, the main thing is when you're starting, you have to not despise the days of small beginnings. So you got to understand when you're in that infancy stage, what do I need to learn? What do I need to grasp? while I'm in this stage and be appreciative while you're in this stage, because that's going to help you push, you know, to the, to the latter stages in life and in your investment career. And one thing I'll, I'll make on this too, and you probably agree with me on this. I think your, your growing stages are the most fun because I feel like once you make it to a certain level, it's like you like lose that like urgency like to, to you lose that a little bit of your hunger. To, yeah. To survive. <laughs> And that, and that excitement, right? It's that yeah. excitement of the deal, the next deal, like you said, that hunger. Hey, if I don't close a deal, I don't eat, you know, and if you, you, you lose that and that, that's what, that's what happens to a lot of investors, you know, along their journey. This show is sponsored by Hive Mind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all in one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users has had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. Everything becomes so systemized to where, you know, it's just another wheel or pig in a cog or, or whatever cog in the system. And you lose that excitement about, you know, meeting with sellers, talking with sellers, you know, walking properties, things like that. Naturally, you know, when you start to scale, you can't do that, you know, as much, but those, those are the times where you start to cut your teeth on understanding how deals actually come to fruition. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, I think you learn a lot more about business too, because, when you're first starting out, you're doing everything. And as your business grows, you're like, I can't do everything. I need to yep. hire experts and I need a partner and I need to do all these other things to make business work and operate more effectively. Yeah. And, and you know what, Daniel, one of the, one of the challenges is, is knowing when you're at that point to where you say, you know what, in order for me to go to the next level, I have to bring somebody on to help me. And a lot of people get lost in that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. You know, I was a solopreneur for a little bit too long before I started expanding out and started creating a team. And I think I would have been a lot further than I am right now if I would have started with that team earlier. But what do we always say, you know, or, or think, hey, you know what? I need all of the money because it's just me. And, you know, I, I don't have enough money to go out and hire somebody. So you try and do it all by yourself and try and figure it out by yourself. But take some time, you know, your listeners take some time, try and strategize, you know, how can you create a team atmosphere? How can you get somebody on your team? If it's, hey, you know what? 
let's split the deals 50 50 and, and have a partnership or i pay for all of the marketing and all of the acquisition costs and you know you do all of the dispo side of everything you have to start building that stuff while you're in the trenches because you don't want to get too big and now you're spending most of your time trying to train people to do what you need them to do while you know everything on the back end is falling apart the the one thing you missed was uh no one could do it better than me <laughs> yeah yeah right right you know what and yeah a lot of people have that have that uh false belief but there's tons of people out there that can do it better than you you just got to find them 100 percent, 100 percent. so let's talk about your real estate career uh how long have you been in real estate and uh are were you were you in the real estate in chicago or just in phoenix 100 percent you know what? Started in Chicago, started in Chicago market. Actually, my mom kind of going to my real estate origin story. You know, my mom, she back in the late 80s, uh, she worked for the state of Illinois and she bought, you know, two raggedy houses. And me and my brother, we didn't know why she was buying them. The only thing we saw was work. Hey, you know what? Yeah. She got these raggedy houses. This is more work for us. We got to go over there, cut the grass, clean it out, work with contractors, you know, and lo and behold, she flipped one, went in there, did the rehab, flipped and sold that one. And then the other one, we actually have in our rental portfolio to this day. So Amazing. yeah, that's how I cut my teeth and started understanding real estate because she sold us that check from that one she flipped. And it was like, oh, wow, you made more money on this one property than you did for the whole year working for the for the state. So, yeah, so that kind of got me started, kind of gave me that introduction to real estate. Naturally, I was young. I was a teenager. That was the furthest thing from my mind was working on properties. You know, it was all about girls, football and having fun. But then when I came to my census, right, because I went from I dropped out of high school right before graduation, like two months before graduation, because I didn't think I was going to I didn't think I was going to graduate. You know, I was I was one of those kids that just kind of bucked the system. I always challenged people and challenged their philosophies. And that always got me in trouble because, you know, when the school system, it's, you know, listen and do not challenge authority. So I went from really dropping out of high school, went and took my GED just to try it and see where I would see where I would land. And I passed the GED. So I went from the back of the bus to the front of the bus, you know, and literally in two months. And while all of my contemporaries were going to graduation, I was already done, you know, and I was moving on to the next stage of my life. So it, it taught me, you know, that not every trail has to be blazed the same way. And from that, that's kind of where I started really looking into the real estate. I went to college. So I went from a GED to an MBA, right? And yes, that college education did award me some opportunities, but it wasn't in the field and in the career of the endeavor that I wanted to be in, which was real estate. So lo and behold, I just started started doing research and started looking into real estate and I bought my primary residence in Illinois and I had one rental move from Illinois to Arizona because I was promised a job opportunity and that job opportunity was rescinded. So the only income that I had coming in was the two rentals. I turned my, my uh, primary residence into a rental because I moved out and my rental. So I was in Arizona with my wife 
three kids who were, you know, three, four and 12 at the time. And I had to, I had to make it work. I had to find opportunities. So I didn't know that and here in Phoenix, I didn't know the East Valley from the West Valley, from the North, from Central or whatever. But only thing I knew is that during that time, everybody said that real estate was happening at the courthouse steps at Maricopa County courthouse steps. So I just went down there on a whim, didn't know anybody. And I just started networking with the people that were down there because they said, you know, in order for you to buy these properties, you got to have cash and so I knew that the real estate investors were there. So in order for me to get into real estate, I knew I had to be where those individuals were. And that's what I did. I went down there and started networking and really built my team from, from those opportunities right there. So that was kind of how I got started in real estate here in, here in Phoenix. I was going to ask you that question and you answered it in that thing, because I know times have changed a lot recently. Yep. And I was wondering, like, uh, I'll ask, I always ask a lot of older investors, like where, where they learned and a lot of people, like I used to listen to audio tapes. I used to hop in uh, on, uh, on uh, conference calls. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's true. That's true. And yeah, so I, I went to the courthouse steps. The only thing that I knew was, you know, everybody said that houses were selling down <laughs> there and those were the people that were buying them. So one transactions were happening and that's where the money was. So that's where I needed to be. And that's, that's where I went. That's amazing. And how long ago was that? Man, this was in 2010, 2010. So 13 years ago, it was either 2010 or 2011. So somewhere in there. Oh man, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Right. High school, 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that's crazy. It's, it's, it's weird. The, uh, the, the path, the paths, the paths that like appear in front of us because we're in the right position and you gotta go to the right place to find the right path. Yeah. And you know what I always tell people, Brian is you gotta open your eyes and you gotta see the opportunities because they're all around you. You know, it's, are you going to do what's necessary? Are you going to take the steps that's necessary in order to walk into those opportunities? You know, was it easy for me being out here, you know, with no income? I always tell people I had no bed, no car. My wife had the car, so I had no bed, no car. But the only thing I had was massive opportunity around me. And I just started walking into those opportunities. I failed. I tripped. I stumbled. I made tons of mistakes. But through those mistakes, I started finding valuable partnerships, you know, to help me along my journey. And that's how I found, you know, my main mentor was because I was making tons of mistakes. And he was like, you know what? You got the grit. You got the grind and the hustle. Let me show you the right way to do it. And he took me up under his wings. And from there, you know, we, we were closing like 20 deals. We got closed 20 deals in like that first year doing you know real estate wholesaling and doing some flips with them so i had to partner because i didn't have the money and i really didn't have the resources so i had to find people that had those resources and i had to lend my level of expertise to them i'm good on the phone i like to talk and because of that you know i would i would get on the phones and i would talk to people and i would you know find deals the first thing he told me to do was hey here's all of our old dead leads that we're no longer following up on see if you can revive something out of this and that's what i did i took that list you know and i was just just cold calling those people, following up with them. And I was pulling deals out of it. And he was like, man, how did you do that? 
And I was like, man, it's just listening to the needs of, of the sellers and seeing if you can figure out what they need and can you match it and where it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. That's all it is, man. That's all it is. It sounds so simple, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely has. Oh yeah. Problem. It's, it's a grind. It's a grind. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk let's a little bit about what, what do you do now more and, uh, what type of assets are you more into at the moment? Is it still single family, still rentals, still mm-hmm. all the yeah, so we're we're still we're still flipping. We we flip actually virtually and close to home here in Phoenix. So we do things in the Chicago market also because that's where I know and I have a team there. So like we we just picked up a duplex last month, me and my wife. I haven't even been in the property yet, but we already have it renovated, have one tenant in place, and then we have another tenant that should be in place uh later next week. So what I tell people is you could do it. You just have to think and you have to strategize and learn how to overcome those obstacles in order to do it. So, so yeah, so rentals are our main thing is taking active income. So the active income, flip money, wholesale money, and then deploy that into passive income. So buying rental properties that way, Hey, if we don't close deals this month, the next couple of months, we know we still have rental income coming in. Yep. Yep. It's amazing. So how, how do you manage your team virtually? Because I think a lot of people struggle with this too. Because they struggle. With, I think a lot of people struggle with contractors as a whole. But there's a lot of things that there's a lot of caveats to that. But what's what's your like one takeaway? Because you're probably are you buying wholesale, remodeling, and then renting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're doing you're doing all the process. So yes, you gotta, you gotta have a, a remodel team. You gotta have a, a rental team, and then a, a make ready and turnovers and all that stuff. In the, in the interim and all that. So you got to have multiple different teams at that point. Yep. Yep. You do. You do. And, and the main thing, Daniel, is accountability. You, you Sometimes you have to have those tough conf- conversations with your property manager, with your contractor. They know the, because we've been working for so long, they know the standard and the level of the property and the, and the asset that we like to bring to the marketplace. So it's daily they send me a video update of the progress that was done on each property. So now I can go back and I can review. So I have my contractor to do that. And then we have our our PM, our property manager to do that as well. So we have multiple sets of eyes. Our contractor go and do the work. Our property manager comes behind and they know that, hey, they know what kind of quality needs to be in this property to either one, flip it or two, to have it as a long-term tenant, long-term rental, because that's how they're going to make their money. They're going to make that money off of, hey, the flip sale commission as a realtor or the long-term property management income that they make off of it. So they're vested into the deal also because it's they know that the product have to be pristine in order for me to get maximum dollar, to put it on the market at maximum dollar or to get maximum rent. So the contractors go in and we pay our contractors top dollar. We don't like to negotiate and haggle with our contractors. What we say is go on a property, tell me how much it needs. um, And we'll tell you what needs to be done. And you give us a number. If that number is realistic, compared to the hundreds of other jobs that you've done, then we'll give you that number. But you have to meet our timeline and our deadline in order to get it done, right? So they already know coming in the door, hey, as long as I meet these deadlines and my quality is good, I'm going to get paid top dollar with no questions asked. And that's one of the things that we do. And 
And because of that, they have a keen eye on their trades, the, the GC, and then our property manager has a keen eye on the GC. So we have three sets of eyes. And then finally, they send me the information um, every evening so I can look at the pictures, look at the updates and go over everything and process where the property is in the stage of, of renovation. So it's, it's again, Daniel, it's, it's a lot of accountability. It's a lot of, we use Podio for communicating and making sure, you know, pictures are being sent, videos are being sent back and forth. And we just have certain timelines each time we go into a, to a new deal. So before we even acquire that property, we do, you know, an Excel spreadsheet, the breakdown of everything that needs to be done. Everybody's on the same page. We have a line item of the rehab that needs to be done, how much it's going to cost. And now that contractor can go and run and start doing what they need to do. That way we can get these these assets from acquisition to profitability, you know, in no time. So one thing I want to ask, I don't know. Um, I, I know a lot about Indiana because I grew up on the Indiana side, but I never messed with like Illinois real estate, especially when, because I wasn't even in real estate when I lived over there. So it was like, mm -hmm. there's like hindsight into it now, but uh, is Illinois uh, cash flow? It's a tenant friendly state. So that's, that's first and foremost, you as a landlord, you have to know the laws to the T because a lot of times if you get the wrong tenant in place, yeah. it can take you eight, nine months to a year in order to evict that tenant. You know, if they play the game, like some people play. So some you have, yeah, yeah. They're professionals, right? So I'll give you an example. We had this property that we just purchased. There was a squatter in it. And before we acquired the property, you know, it was sitting on a, this one was sitting on the market with nobody touch it, you know, and it was sitting there because there was a squatter in it. We couldn't get in to see the condition of the property or anything like that. But I knew the area. I didn't know the interior. I knew the, the area though. And I knew, okay, one, it's going to need a roof and, but the exterior looked clean. And what we did was we contacted the um, city and we found out when was the last time that a rental license was valid on this property. Once we found that out, now we knew, okay, this property has to be in somewhat decent condition because they just had a rental license on this property not too long ago. And the city comes out every year, every two years to inspect the property. So it was, I took a shot. I took a gamble. I didn't know one, how we were going to get the squatter out and two, what the, con what the condition of the property was. But yeah. again, it goes back to having your team in place. I contacted my attorney there and I said, Hey, this is the situation. We're going to, we, we want to acquire this property, but before we do that, I need to get some assurances from you as the attorney, how fast will we be able to evict this tenant and what's the process that we will be able to go in order to get it done. And he gave me the assurances that we will be able to do it, you know, really, really quick. Come to find out, Daniel, this is why sometimes you have to take these calculated risks. Come to find out, we closed on the property. No one had been in the property. We went there, property manager put a note on the door of the first unit. That's the unit that the squatter was in. Let them know, hey, contact us. Let's try and work something out, you know, before we get sheriffs involved and everything like that. No response, no response from the squatter. Well, as we were entering the second unit, 
naturally we had to, you know, break into it, change the locks and everything yeah. like that. Well, yeah. one of the neighbors happened to call a squatter and was like, hey, somebody's breaking in, you know, your house. Right. So immediately that got his attention and he called the property manager and was like, hey, you know, what's going on? She was like, we bought the property. We know that you're in the property. We want to work out something with you in order to help you transition on. Come to find out when my property manager went and walked the property, he had just did a lot of renovations on that unit because he was thinking that he was going to buy that property. So it had new flooring throughout, recently painted, new counters, new kitchen cabinets, everything like that. So we told him, we said, hey, we, we're going to put new tenants in here. And he was like, hey, you know what? That's fine. I already closed on the property, my new property. I just need, you know, 30 days in order to move out. Our attorney drew up everything. And that's exactly what happened. He moved out 30 days. We had a pristine property and my contractor even tried to buy the property from me, double what I paid for the property. Wow. So it's taking those risks, you know, those calculated risks that sometimes can can pay off. Now, it could have easily went south, but then I would have leaned again on the expertise of our attorney and the assurances that he gave us that he would have been able to file the proper paperwork in order to get that that squatter out. But we didn't have to go that route. No, that's, that's a good story. I really want to dig into the attorney part, too, because I think a lot of people underestimate the, the power of having an attorney on your team. Because they yep. save you from a lot of legal paperwork, especially if you're doing stuff with tenants, if you're doing a lot of contract paperwork, they're going to save you from a lot of a lot of uh, heartache. Absolutely, <laughs> heartache is the word. <laughs> and you can do stuff more uh, efficiently too, because, like you said, you you you're, you your attorney like, hey, I'll pass, we get them out. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And you know what? And and those attorneys, you know, they have. They have relationships that we just don't have. They have yeah. relationships with judges, with sheriffs, you know, with things, with other officials to where they can say, all right, in this area, I know exactly who to call in order to get this person out. This is what we can do. We'll file this paperwork. You know, I used to try and do that stuff myself, Daniel, and it used to drive me nuts. You know, and I was like, that goes back to knowing when to bring a team member on, right? So then I was like, you know what? This is too much for me to try and do this from 2,000 miles away. Let me try and find an attorney. I reached out to a title company that I work here in Arizona, and they said, hey, you know what? Use this title company over here. And then that title company referred me to this attorney, and I've been working with this attorney. Shout out to Peter Hallam. Been working with him for man, about six years now on every deal and every transaction that we do in, in Illinois. And he knows once again, you know, there were times where we had contracts where he wouldn't get paid on them. And I said, whatever your fee is, Peter, just add it and we will pay it on the buyer side. That way you can get paid for your services because some contracts they write up, you know, yeah. They won't pay the attorney fee, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, but I always told him, whatever your fee is, I'll make sure I pay it. Even if, and, you know, sometimes we even pay a little bit more because as long as you keep your team members happy, you know, you have a symbiotic relationship. Everybody's going to work for the greater good in order yep. to, for our business to be successful. 100%. 100%. I think uh, we like that model too is overpaying your team because they'll, they'll work even harder for you. Yep. yep. Once, you already, once you already have good team members, 
it's it's golden from there because everything mm-hmm. the, the the battle becomes easier yeah and you you know what else, what else it does daniel is now instead of you needing to hold everybody accountable those individuals that's on your team will hold those other team members accountable. So right. just like I was saying with the contractor and the property manager, now the property manager holds that contractor accountable, not the property manager calling me saying, hey, the contractor didn't do this, they didn't do that. No, they go in and they make sure that it's done and they send me pictures and say, hey, this is how I'm gonna address this. Do you think I need to address it this way or should we go in a different direction? And I normally say, hey, you know what? I think." What you're doing is the right way. Let's go ahead and get it done. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's cool, man. Are you are you like pretty much you live in Arizona and do everything in in Illinois? It sounds like, or are you still doing stuff in Phoenix too? No, we still do we still do things here in Phoenix as well. Okay, that's mm-hmm. uh, it's a big op- it's a big operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 a lot of moving parts, but you know, it's again, you have to lean on your team members in order to make everything work. The right way and you have to have the right systems in place you know in order for communication to be seamless and everybody to be on the same page 100 100 that's got definitely given so just building out the rental portfolio what is uh what does the next five years look for you look like for you man you know what i'm actually building a team right now for us to go into larger commercial units nice. so um just just brought on a new attorney to start drawing up some paperwork for us and just build some relationships with some some other individuals that's looking to go into commercial so that's what that's where we're moving here in the next five years uh what asset class in commercial uh just larger commercial um yeah apartments okay i got you we were doing we do a lot of lands we're doing commercial land getting into commercial land and uh subdivides that's man that's that's big there I was kind of kind of looking at it, but just don't want to do any kind of ground up development right now. But yeah, that subdividing I, I hear is very lucrative. Yeah. A lot of what we do is I mean, you don't even have to do ground up development. You just kind of set it up and somebody might take it over for it. Somebody, yeah, somebody come in and buy it. You have everything subdivided and then you just sell it off to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's where we're at. Where are want- you doing that? Where are you doing that at? Mostly Texas. Mostly okay. Texas. We have a lot of uh, subdivides going on over there. Well, we it's a like, lot of it's a lot of dirt in Texas, right? <laughs> a lot of, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people there's a lot of dirt where people want to be too. That's the other yeah, yeah. There's yep. a lot of dirt where people want to be. What is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? Uh let's see. A good quote. A good quote. Man, you're only as strong as your team. Mm. You know, that's 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 what I kind of lean on. You know, you're only as strong as your team, because if 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 you have one weak link in your team, then that link is really going to it compromises the strength of the team. Right. So you have to go in, evaluate where that weakness is, eradicate that weakness and bring that team back together. So as you can see, I'm, I'm big on team and systems. Yeah, team team and systems. I think is the only. It's, I mean, it's the only way to grow effectively and efficiently. I mean, yep. it, there is no other way. It's either it's always people and systems. I mean, if there was no people involved, it'd be amazing. But there's always got to be people involved in some way. Yeah. One one thing I learned is that there, when it comes to a problem, the problem can only be classified in two areas. It's either a people problem or a process problem, right? So if it's a process problem, 
then you can look at that process, evaluate it, get with the people and say, how can we make this process better? And then if it's a people problem and you know that your process is consistent, then again, you just either have to have that strong conversation with that person or those people and then fix the system or you move that those people on. So there's only two type of problems, people problems or process problems. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I love about having like a team in general is that you can, knowing that your, your business is, is, is profitable enough and effective enough to bring like commerce to big air, big, big general populations directly and indirectly. So it's a really cool, um, I think real estate's, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool ass, uh, business and asset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, and you can move, it's, it's so many different niches in, in real estate. You know, that's what I tell a lot of people. You can't just say, Hey, I want to be a real estate investor. Okay. What niche are you really trying to dig into? own that niche, learn that niche. And then before you try and pivot and go into something else, master that, master that one niche. So if it's fixing and flipping, master fixing and flipping, you know, before you start going into large commercial or something like that, unless, unless you're a member of a team that has the experience already in that asset class. Yeah, uh, that's another. Did you did you ever do any mentorship at all? Oh yeah, you earlier. What what is your been what, like? What's your been like? Your number one thing you got from mentorship as a whole? Uh, uh, systems. <laughs> really, that's the truth. You know, it's it's making sure because remember, I was a solopreneur for so long, so I was doing everything that I knew. You know, but then when I brought people on, it was like, okay, we have to have the standard operating procedures. How do we do this? You know, how do we, you know, acquire our next deal? What are the processes in order to acquire that next deal? So mentorship really, I mean, big shouts, shouts out to uh, Bill Allen and 7FF. I really learned a lot of that by being in there and that 7FF family. Awesome. Awesome. Do you offer any education at all? I do. Me and my partner, Mike Dale Preet, who is the executive director of the AZ RIA, which is the largest RIA in the country. Uh, we have a we have a mentorship program that's called the Deal Finders Club. So we help aspiring real estate investors and fix and flippers learn how to go out and find direct to seller deals. That way they don't have to, we can eliminate the realtors and get a better deal. So that's uh, at azdfc.com azdfc.com mm -hmm. that's cool how long have you been doing the education side man not long only for about two years because what we did was once he acquired the the uh ria we found that there were a lot of people that was just misinformed in regards to real estate so we would do a lot of workshops we would do a lot of uh seminars and yes you can get a lot in a two-day seminar but takeaways once they leave it's like okay i've learned so much where do i actually start so that's yeah. the reason why we created the deal finders club to show people this is how you start finding off-market deals especially for you know those fixing flippers that were buying so many deals from wholesalers right the margins are really thin now right so you got to be able to go direct to seller so we show people how to go direct to seller and acquire those deals yeah i think i think a lot of people struggle that early on as they they were, they consumed every podcast and every YouTube video and they know everything, but they don't know. They might not have the actual steps to actually go out and produce. I think yep. that's, that's the biggest problem. I always tell people this too, is that you don't know how much effort it takes to produce results. 
So you think you're doing enough, but it's not usually. True, true. <laughs> Got one and one one of my favorite quotes, and this is a this is my quote, is education without application is just information. So a lot of people, they go and they get the education, get the education, and they can talk real estate shop all day, but they yeah. don't apply it. There's no application to it. So now only thing you have is information and there's tons of information out here, but the people that succeed are the people that apply that education that they learned. Mm. Mm -mm. That's 100% correct. You definitely got to, you definitely got to apply it because if you don't, you can be just like everybody else. Yep. Yep. So guys, remember that information without application is, uh, I'm sorry, education without application is just information. So where can people find you online? You got YouTube, you have Facebook. Yeah. YouTube. First off, they can go to Marcus E Maloney.com. That's Marcus M A R C U S E as in equity Maloney M A L O N E Y.com. I got tons of free resources there. We have our podcast. We love equity real estate show. And then YouTube, Instagram, everywhere. That's M R C S Maloney, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. There you go. I have to, I have to get you on Twitter. I, I do. I do post a lot of stuff on Twitter. I'm a very avid Twitter user right now. All right. Sweet, sweet. I'm still, I'm still using Twitter, but not as much as I was. I'm doing more stuff on uh, Instagram now. I, I backed away from Instagram. Was, Did you? It got kind of boring for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, still I, get post, it. I still post there, but it's just, it's not my, my, my go-to at the moment. And you know what? You gotta, you gotta limit yourself, you know, with, with all social media platforms, you just really have to limit yourself because like you said, it can consume so much of your day and you look up and you're like, man, what did I get done today? Yeah. I did a couple of videos, made a few posts, but besides that, what else did I do? You know? So yeah, everybody out there listening, just be careful what you consume and only consume so much. Yeah. Every, everybody always laughs at me because like people consume a lot of like sports and I like uh -huh. zero sports. Like I don't know nothing about sports. Like it doesn't even like bother me either too, because I'm like, like I know, I know, I know about, I know about, I know a lot about the stuff that's really important and sports isn't important to me. Okay. So what's, what's your go-to? What's, what, what do you like to dig into Brian? Me is, it's, uh, it's Daniel. <laughs> I mean, Daniel, why did I call you Brian? Sorry. <laughs> Man, for me, it's, it's a business and real estate. I mean, I'm really active with what I do. I teach, educate, and then it's just a lot of family after that. So most of my time is consumed with family and work and that's it. Okay. Okay. I, I, I enjoy, I think, uh, educating. It makes me sharper. Mm -hmm. like, it may, you become more effective and more effective at teaching the more you do it and yeah I, and, I, and, I and, and yeah and that's that's your passion man you just just continue to lean into it one thing that i like is the students will challenge you you know indirectly they will ask you questions to where if you're not actually in the industry doing the deals and working on projects you know they'll ask you some questions to where you'd be like i don't know but you could tell the authenticity from someone, like you said, like yourself, uh, Daniel, that's actually out in the field. So when those questions come up, you already have answers to them because one, you lived it. If you haven't lived it, one of your teammates lived it, you know, or you will live it, you know, pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yep. No, this, this has been a great episode. I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for coming on. And I, I, uh, I I hope people took some notes on the end of this episode, man. I, I really do appreciate your time, Marcus. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate it. For everybody here, you know what to do. Go like, subscribe, share with a friend. You know what to do. I ain't got to explain it. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next time on the next episode of the Hive Plus Podcast. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Hey, guys. So the Hive Mind is launching a new program where we are we're helping you work deals that are valued at $1 million and up. If your deal is worth 980000 we don't want to take a look at it. You can submit those deals to us at submitbigland.com, and we'll help you comp the deals. If it's good, we'll help you close it, and we'll also help you fund it and sell it. Check us out, submitbigland.com, milliondollarmastermind.com, and wholesaling million-dollar land deals on Facebook. Thanks, guys.